You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode 144 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Pilot Run. Two-time sponsor Pilot Run are a three-piece rock band from Colchester, UK. Members Bruce, Craig, and Matt all met in high school but had spent many years apart. In 2018, the trio began working together and recorded Pilot Run's debut tracks Ghost of Me and To a Spark. Ghost of Me was dubbed the ultimate anthem of alt-rock angst by A&R Factory, and Rock the Pigeon music blog claimed that it will have you running for your ex. Last month, Pilot Run released a brand new five-song EP titled Faces Are Hard to Find. The new material explores both the heavier and softer side of the band's sound and explores the personal and social themes around identity and the perception of ourselves. On a personal note, Pilot Run was the first band to sponsor an episode back in 2018, and I would like to say thank you so much for trusting me and for helping out the show in its infancy. For more information on Pilot Run, you can find them on all of the streaming platforms, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pilot Run Band. Now here it is, their new single, Haunted Head.
This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Hey, this is Jeff Riddle from Uncle Peckerhead, and you are listening to That One Time on Tour. Run for the road, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. We'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To get back in the bed, tomorrow, we'll do it, we'll do it all again. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? As always, this is your host, Chris Swinney, and this is my podcast, That One Time on Tour. Uh, I talk to people in the entertainment industry, all kinds of people in the entertainment industry. So how are you doing out there? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, We had a big snowstorm here in Indiana the last couple days. I had a couple days off work due to the weather. I know the East Coast got pounded pretty hard. I have some buddies out there that are still digging out. We're supposed to get some snow tomorrow as well, so I hope everybody is safe and happy and uh, doing well. Don't let the weather get you down, man. We've only got you know, maybe another half month to a month of this crap, and then it'll start getting nice outside again. So today on the program, uh, it's a good one. It was a really good one. I gave you guys homework. You were supposed to watch a movie if you listened last week. But today on the program, I got to chat with my buddy, actor, producer, and musician, Mr. Jeff Riddle. Jeff came to my attention uh, one late night when I was searching for something to watch on Amazon Prime. And I came across this movie that looked like a B-horror movie It's called Uncle Peckerhead. Uh, but when I read the the info, it's about this punk band that goes on tour and they have a roadie peck or peckerhead that uh, at midnight eats the promoters and kills people. It's it sounds crazy and it is crazy, but it's a great movie. And uh, that night I was watching the credits and I was like, I bet I can find the guy that played Max on on Instagram. And I did, I looked him up and it was Jeff Riddle. So, uh, yeah, if you like punk rock horror and comedy or any of the three in any combination, this might be your new favorite film. Like I said, it's streaming right now on Amazon prime. Jeff is also a musician. He has an awesome band called 500 bucks. It, It was, it was really cool to, uh, 
kind of see someone that, that has his foot in two worlds. And then the two worlds kind of collide in this movie. It was great to get a glimpse into the world of independent filmmaking. I've always been very interested in that. Uh, and, and also, you know, punk rock, we got to shoot the shit about our favorite bands and, and how it's all connected and how it all intermingles. So I'm hoping that if you haven't seen uncle Peckerhead yet, after our conversation, you will totally want to see it and watch it a million times. It's literally my favorite film of 2020. So before I get to my conversation with Jeff, I do need to pay some bills. The sponsors of this episode, the band at the beginning has a special place in my heart. Pilot Run, you can find them at Pilot Run Band on all the socials. They were the first band to sponsor this podcast. Uh, they they took a chance, and uh, it was really cool. I never really knew. They said, hey, we'll sponsor the podcast. I was like, okay, cool. And then that became the norm, and I get to bring you guys really cool bands that you've maybe never heard of every week. Pilot Run was the first band. They're out of the United Kingdom. You need to check them out. You need to support them. They have a brand new EP out. So all the socials and on the streaming sites, Pilot Run. You can check them out on the socials at Pilot Run Band. Thank you guys so much for believing in the show and for coming back, you know, almost three years later. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Also on the list is partscasterconcierge.com. My buddy Gary, he builds guitars. He built me one. He needs to build you one. Check it out. Partscasterconcierge.com. If you like art and you like record labels and music festivals, and all kinds of cool stuff, you've got to check out sbam.rocks. Spam, not spam, spam.rocks. sbam.rocks. Also on the list is Permanence Tattoo Gallery in downtown Anderson, Indiana. You can check them out on the socials at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. It's the only place I get tattooed. If you're in the area, you need to check it out. Last but not least, we have our friends at BetterHelp.com. If you need anything at all, therapy-related, counseling-related, this is all online. You can do it through an app. You can do it through your computer. You need to take care of your mental health, and the best way to do it is BetterHelp.com. And for listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month. Head on over to BetterHelp.com. That is H-E-L-P dot com slash T-O-T-O-T. Betterhelp.com slash T-O-T-O-T. Live a better life with better help. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring. If you have a band or a company and you would like to sponsor an episode or two, you can hit me up, T-O-T-O-T podcast at gmail.com. You can also help the show out on our Patreon. You can get some bonus content over there. That is patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast. If you would like to make a one-time donation, you can hit up my personal Venmo. That is at Christopher Swinney, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. I had a couple people, uh, sometimes people don't put their names down, but I had another $50 from someone in Australia, and then I had like $15 from someone in Germany. So thank you so much for those. They really help in this hard time, and uh, I need a new microphone, so I'm saving up for a microphone. So thank you so much for the donations. You guys kick ass. Uh, Shout out to our art director, Sarah, over at Road Dog Supply. 
head on over to our brand new website, TOTOTpodcast.com, and pick up some merch. Make sure to follow her on Instagram and Facebook at Road Dog Supply. We have a new contest in association with Road Dog Supply, and you can design your very own TOTOT t-shirt. It's pretty awesome. So for more information on that, head on over to our website, TOTOTpodcast.com, or you can just go to RoadDogSupply.com because that is Sarah's company, and uh, we could not do this show without Road Dog Supply. So shout out to Sarah. No segment today, just a little bit of like a news segment, I guess. I wanted to tell you that uh, we did start a brand new Discord server for that one time on tour. It's pretty awesome. I was super unfamiliar with Discord, but uh, we we did one for my new band, Fire Sale, so we didn't have to do like a group text all the time. And it's kind of like your very own like private personal like social media site it's it's really cool uh every day more and more folks are signing up so if you dig the show make sure to sign up for our discord server it's completely free just go to a discord and search for totothq or check out tototpodcast.com and there is a link on there to where you can come and be a part of the discord server it's really awesome people are doing guest suggestions and asking guest questions and you know people are put putting down what their playlists are what their their favorite stuff is they're listening to right now it's it's a really cool thing it's another way that we can kind of make this into more of a community so check that out i think you'll like it also last but not least on this little news segment is tomorrow friday my band fire sale will be making a big announcement so make sure that you are following us on all the socials as well at fire sale is a band and you'll be one of the first to see what the big announcement is. It's pretty cool. I'm very excited. So check that out at fire sale is a band on all of the socials. So that is the intro ladies and gentlemen, I am going to get into my conversation right now with the awesome, very talented, actor, producer, musician, Mr. Jeff Riddle. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Mr. Jeff Riddle from uh, all kinds of stuff, man. Musician, producer, actor, star of the new awesome punk comedy horror film, Uncle Peckerhead. What's going on, man? What's up, dude? I'm very excited to have you on the program today. I, I, was just flipping through Amazon prime one night and I saw this really cool thing of like this zombie guy looking kind of thing. And I read the description and as soon as I saw it, it said punk band, I was in <laughs> nice. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, you know, I I've had a lot of filmmakers and a couple actors on the program. The cool thing about you is that you kind of fit the program better than they did because you're also a musician uh, I, I take it that you enjoy the punk rock. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of your like go-to bands that you like? Oh man. I mean, it's always changing, but you know, I've, I've grown up listening to just like all types of punk bands, but right now, I mean like, fuck, love the, love the dirty nail. They just put out fuck a art. new record. Fuck art. Yeah. Luke was, Luke was on the program like last month. I actually listened to that episode, man. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. 
Yeah, I gotta, um, I gotta say, those guys are awesome, and that that guy is just too good looking for his own good. Dude, and he's just he's got the pipes, man. He's got, he's got the, the pipes. pipes and the licks. <laughs> he does. <laughs> so, uh, are there any any other Canadian bands that you're into? I'm I'm way into Canadian uh, bands. You know, obviously, Pup, uh, Single Mothers. Um, God, I'm wearing my propaganda uh, shirt. Yes, propaganda. <laughs> lest we forget. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, dude, love love the Canadian bands. So let's uh, let's jump into your story. I want to talk about the movie. I want to talk about you know. I know you just put out a new seven inch with your band, five hundred bucks. Yeah. But I want to know your story. Like, you know, did you grow up playing in bands? Did you go on tour? I mean, what was that all like? Yeah. So like, I grew up, you know, in South Carolina, and uh, just you know, when I was growing up, it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of punk rock in town. So, uh, but you know, me and my friends started a band and. Uh, we did that forever and played around, played shows around the country. And then um, eventually I, uh, I just, uh, you know, that was people wanted to move on and do their uh, normal life shit. And I kind of didn't really want to do that. So uh, I, I just recorded basically just a shitty, <laughs> a shitty uh, demo in my house of just punk songs without a band on an acoustic guitar. And then, uh, I lived in my car for like a year and a half and just traveled around uh, playing wherever I could. And, uh, and that eventually led me to Philadelphia. And that, um, that's where you're at now. That is where I'm at now. And uh, that was back, you know, when like the Menzingers were playing in basements and stuff, there was a yeah. huge, I mean, there still is uh, well, not, not, there is no scene of anything anymore with yeah. COVID, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, you know, just house shows and, and all of that. And so I just fell in love with this place. And then, uh, and then I moved here and started playing in some bands. I played in a band called the Holy mess for a while, a band called scarier area before that. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. We did some touring with both of those bands. Um, and yeah, man. And then I just started a new project with my buddy, Bill from uh, captain we're sinking. And, um, so yeah, it's called 500 bucks. And you know, uh, like the wise people we are, we put out a physical record during a pandemic. So that's going great, you know? <laughs> so, you know, the funny thing is you said you, you're from South Carolina. What, what town, what city? Uh, well, Charleston, I guess, but, uh, you know, technically I grew up in Goose Creek. Okay. Real place. So Goose. I'm, I'm good friends with the guys in Emory. And uh, okay. they kind of have a similar story. They they were older, I think. They were almost out of college or out of college, but they moved yeah. from Greer, South Carolina, to Seattle. And w- when they got there, they didn't even really know like what a music scene was. Or I mean, right. it's, I've talked to those guys about it ad nauseum about their whole like the whole thing of going out there. But coming from, it's kind of the same thing with me. Like I'm from Indiana, which right we're three hours from Chicago, two and a half hours from Louisville. Like there are some some bands here, but growing up, you kind of had to make your own scene. Did you feel that? You're in Muncie, right? Yeah. I'm in Muncie, Ball State University. It's like a little, it's sort of like this little uh, college town uh, island in the middle, like a, you know, (laughs) of a cornfield and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not much here, but there is, since we have the college, there's a couple, there's a couple venues. Some of them are, you know, 18 and up or all ages where you can go see a punk band, you know, before the pandemic. So Growing up here, there were opportunities to play some gigs, but you know, my high school band was this punk band called Chronic Chaos. And as soon as we graduated, we were out, man. We were right. on the road 
try trying to do it. I mean, it, it's hard, you know, but you used yeah. to be able to make gas money at a show. Now you can't really right. do that. And I mean, that's sort of what my friends and I did growing up. Like none of us knew how to play instruments when, you know, uh, we met each other and we just sucked. And then, but we got better and uh, we just kept playing shows. But, you know, you get to that point, like sort of in your early twenties and it was like, people are going to college or people just, I don't know, didn't want to, didn't want to make the move. And I kind of always was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here as soon as I can. So that's kind of what happened. And yeah, it led me to Philadelphia where I still am to this day. Goose Creek. That's the name. Goose. Goose fucking Creek, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. We was picking the cray diddies out of the creek with our bare feet, man. Did you ever, uh, I mean, this isn't like a political podcast. There's a lot of stuff going on now that we really won't talk about, but yeah, yeah. you know, with me, I, I kind of, I'm, I kind of feel like a kindred spirit because growing up in Indiana, we're a red state. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you get into punk rock or any kind of counterculture or anything, it kind of opens your eyes to that other side and being tolerant and, and not hating someone because they're different, you know, things like oh, yeah. that. Did you feel when you got out of South Carolina, it kind of broadened your horizons and you met cool people and it changed how you thought about the world? Um, yeah, to a degree, but I kind of feel like I, um, developed those before, you know, and that's kind of what made us, uh, stand out a little. We were just like, fuck this place. You know, we were, and you know, I love Charleston. So it's a great, great town. Um, but when we were growing up, you know, it, yeah, like you sort of, I'm like, I don't want to, you grow up, uh, I don't know how to, how to articulate it uh, against these things, you know, and especially when you have punk rock, you're, you have form your ethos and you're like, you're, if, especially if you're living in a small town around that, you're like, fuck this, like on a day-to-day -day <laughs> day, and you confront that in your day-to-day -day life and, you know, uh, would get uh, fucking beat up or, uh, you know, in, in altercations with people over shit like that. See, I, I had an easier time in like high school because I was always a bigger guy. And like, yeah. like you, my wife saw a picture of you and watched part of the movie and she's like, wow, you guys look alike. You have a shaved head and a beard. Yeah. <laughs> so like I've had this beard since I was 15. So I had all these kids in my high school that were kind of the punk rock kids, but they got shit from all the jocks and everything. But no one fucked with me because I was bigger than all the jocks. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't a big dude, you know, with with a, a beard and no hair in high school. I had like blue hair and there you, you know mohawk and yeah, kids. Yeah, didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to see a yearbook picture. You got any yearbook pictures that look pretty? I'll, punk I'll, rock? I'll have to find one. I'll send one to you. <laughs> okay. So so you know you're doing this stuff. You end up in Philadelphia. I mean, this might be a weird question, but. How did the acting thing kind of have, were you always interested in that? We'll talk about the the reason I wanted you on the show, but I want to kind of know your pathway from being a punker and playing music to getting into that. So, I mean, um, it's always one of those things that's been in the back of my mind, just sort of like, but nothing I seriously considered, you know, cause I was like, I don't really know anyone in that world. I don't even know how that would happen. So it was never even on my radar, but back around 2011, 2012, um, my, my buddy, Mike, who, um, used to like book the Asbury lanes. Um, oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah. So, uh, his brother, Matt, uh, and I, you know, we were hanging around together, you know, just like we through parties and like whatever, seeing each other at shows and all that stuff. 
And I think we were at a party at uh, my buds. They're a band called Luther that I lived with. And um, we were just at a party at our old house and uh, we're sitting outside smoking a cigarette or something. And he was just like, hey, so, you know, I make these little, um, you know, films and that kind of stuff. And he's like, would you be interested in, in being in a short that I'm doing? And I was like, yeah, totally. Like that would be rad. And just kind of not, just being really naive to it and not thinking about it. Um, and honestly, kind of not really taking it that seriously. Cause I was like, oh, well, yeah, of course I'll do that. But yeah. uh, you know, we'll see. And so um, I really kind of didn't think anything else of it. And then maybe like a year, a year and a half later, he called me. It was just like, so you want to do it now? And I was like, Oh shit. Like you're serious. Like, okay. Yeah. You're not, not even considering like what really it takes to, you know, plan all that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, he gave me the script and um, it was for this short called Larry gone demon that we did. And, um, and so I was just like, like, yeah, let's just see what happens. And it was cool. I housed pretty much the whole crew at my house, very small production, really small budget. And we did it in like four days. And then uh, we like rented a house in West Philly and just shot it all there. Um, but when I got to the set, I was like so impressed and like taken aback. And I was just like, wow, I didn't expect it to be, even though it was like shoestring, like Matt really just uh, his attention to detail and just planning things out. And he does such a great job at that. I was like, wow. And so we did that. And um, yeah, we got to actually do some festivals with that and it was pretty well received. And so, um, yeah, I don't know, just sort of like, and it really turned a key in my brain just being like, wow, this is like something I never thought possible and like nothing I ever thought that I'd be able to be a part of. And so when Matt asked me to do Uncle Peckerhead a few years later, I just already knew and we had become just good friends by this point. I was like, dude, I'll like follow you into the fire, man. Like I'm down. And so, yeah, he, he actually, and I, and I got to take on a more creative role in this and um, yeah, so like I co-produced it. So, you know, did a lot of work on set, you know, pre-production, wrote the music for it, you know, a lot of that stuff. When, when you were doing the Larry Go Demon, like that first thing, you'd had you had any experience acting like in plays or anything like my friend my friends and i between tours back in the day we uh our merch guy isaac who's actually been on the program he's a comedian he yeah. came up with this character jasper t colbert and then we wrote this whole backstory about this band from the little town we used to live in matthews indiana called devil's brew and they're like these redneck guys, and we we did a zombie movie, we did a Christmas special, we did oh, all that. Rules. And when the thing that we when we would release the DVD, we would play a concert as the band because we wrote real songs, kind of like what you did for the movie. And yeah. that kind of I won't say I'm a good actor, but I had a blast doing that, and it was my first experience, kind of doing something creative that wasn't music. When you found that, was it kind of overwhelming at first, or did you take right to it? Um, yeah, you know, it was kind of one of those things that, like I said, I was like so naive to at first and I'm sure in many aspects I still am. Cause this is only the second thing I've really done, Yeah. but, um, but I, I really fell in love with it. And, uh, so much so that after, um, after we did uncle Peckerhead, I actually moved down to Atlanta and was living down there for a while working in, uh, film and television, uh, just really not to like climb the ladder for any kind of, uh, you know, position but really just kind of to get better and learn really the mechanics of like real film sets. So I could come back to what we're doing 
you know, later on and be more of an asset to the whole, the whole crew. So yeah, no, it's, it's changed like my whole perspective on any, on everything. So you were saying that you took on like a more creative role with uncle Peckerhead, you know, you, you starred in it. You're one of the, one of the main characters in the film. What other things did you get to do on your IMDb? It says producer. So I'm sure you had a lot of kind of logistical things you had to do, but can you take me through your role in the movie? Sure. And well, and it was just one of those things too. Even this, it was a small budget thing, you know, it was a bigger budget than Larry gone demon, but a really small budget. And we had, I think our whole crew was like between 12 and 15 people, you wow. know? Yeah. So, you know, and we shot the whole thing in, um, in 18 days. I mean, we did three weeks, but we had Sundays off. And so, yeah, I mean, um, basically I would, uh, you know, during pre-production, I was just sort of helping find locations or like get things made for the movie. Like the band does house, like that's my house. <laughs> like that shithole. It's like my girlfriend and I had just bought this place and, uh, and it was just basically a shell. We, we were, working on it forever we're still working on it it reminded me of like every place i stayed on tour until we could oh, yeah. afford hotels <laughs> yeah so like you know matt saw it and was just like oh this is perfect this is where fucking doll lives we're like okay great yeah um so yeah like all the gear is mine like the van is mine and uh and i would just you know david littleton who played peckerhead um and i we stayed we stayed together and chet and ruby who played uh mel and judy um, they stay together. So I would just get up every morning and, you know, go scoop everybody up uh, and then and drive them to set. And sometimes that was we were back and forth between like New York and New Jersey and Philly a lot. So sometimes it'd be like, wake up, drive two hours, go shoot, drive back to New Jersey and shoot some and then wrap for the day. Um, so, yeah, and it was it kind of helped, I think, with our, our overall chemistry is like a, a quote band for the movie is like. We really were just riding around my van uh, <laughs> with all my gear in the back, just listening to punk music and, you know, like bonding and hanging out. So it was great. It was really cool. Were you guys fighting over uh, who played DJ like you did in the film? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, because basically, you know, a lot of uh, like Chet and Ruby, I mean, I'm not completely familiar with all of their musical tastes, but I know that um, at least Chet was not uh, very well versed in punk rock at all. So she was like, just play bands, you know? And I'd be like, oh, this band used to be a band in Philly and hasn't been a band since 2011. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that. And we would just be like playing all kinds of shit and uh, really kind of bonding together. So it was really, it was really a great, it was like summer camp. It really did feel like that in a way. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that really kind of got me hooked when I first started watching it is, when you play in a band, which you do, I do, like we know what it's like. We've been on the road. We've had, you know, $2 per diems and, and, and went to the salad bar and, and fill up yeah. a plate. We've done all that stuff. Yeah. This movie feels real. And I mean, even down to wardrobe choices, like, you know, Chet wearing a bouncing soul shirt and it's not a bouncing soul shirt. You get off of you know, some website now it's an old yeah, school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. yeah, yeah. The, the movie just felt like it had, I mean, it felt like me and my friends made it, you know what I'm awesome. saying? And yeah. even I know that you're a musician. It, it seemed like maybe Ruby and Chet had a little bit of experience, but when you guys play as duh, and there's like the scenes where you're playing the live shows, 
it felt real. It didn't feel fake. I always get mad when I watch like a multi-million dollar movie and there's a scene where the guy's playing guitar and there's a solo going on and he's playing a G chord. Like I, it just, <laughs> yeah. it pisses me off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you guys, you pulled something off that rarely anybody ever pulls off and you made a movie about a band actually legit about a band. Was, you, was that a lot of your doing? Because I know that you have probably the most experience in that Avenue. Um, well, you know, Matt has also played in bands uh, growing up and all of that stuff. And, I think when he was in college, he toured a little bit too, but um, yeah, I mean, that kind of pulls from all of our experiences and, and uh, especially Matt's. Um, but we, yeah, we just kind of grew up doing that. And I think that was, that's a huge compliment to hear. So thank you for that. Cause that was something we were conscious of and we, uh, you know, we wanted it to be authentic, but we weren't trying to make it feel authentic. We just, this is kind of our experiences put into it. And uh, it's really so cool to see bands especially connect with it because we uh, that was one thing, even though you're like, I grew up this way, you hope that it connects with people in that way. We've had such a huge outpouring of, you know, um, support from bands and all that and people sharing it and just so it's been really cool. I'm really glad that, you know, so many people can connect to it in that way. Well, I tell you, man, it, it was kind of like a. I don't know this epiphany because like I watched it and literally halfway through the movie is when I hit you up on Instagram. Really? Because I was, I was like, people need to see this because the, my podcast, the scene that I'm in, it's kind of like, you know, anywhere from maybe 25 up to 50 guys that, you know, a lot of them are dads that used to be in bands and like, like, that's kind of my market. So when I saw this movie, I was like, people need to fucking see this movie. Dude, hell yeah. Because I love horror. I I love kind of campy, old school horror. (laughs) Yeah. And I love punk rock. And this kind of had everything. I I just, I can tell too that like, you can tell when someone's trying to be authentic because it's rarely authentic. Yeah. And you guys, you guys are totally authentic because you didn't try to be authentic. Thanks, dude. And I feel like this was a lot of, like a passion project for, pretty much everyone that worked on it, you know, and um, like we had such a great sort of like small scrappy crew and really this movie just at its essence is like DIY, you know, just by virtue of what it is. I mean, we really had a small team of people that just busted their ass. And, um, you know, I remember there's just times where uh, we were in Brooklyn one night and just started pouring rain. We had to like, it was just all hands on deck. Like, actors everybody just grabbing shit out of the rain and throwing it in uh i forget what club we were at but yeah so you know very much uh like being on tour in some regards <laughs> and i want to i wanted to bring up a point like uh the the movie is really cool because you know uncle peckerhead you're supposed to like he's supposed to be the antagonist <laughs> he's supposed yeah. to be like the bad guy but you end right. up loving the dude Oh my God. Yeah. David is such a lovable, affable dude in real life. And I think that really just comes across in his character. And the funny thing is too, I just, I've, I had so many like weird thoughts while I was watching this movie because growing up in Indiana, being in punk bands, you meet people that you wouldn't normally hang out with, but like, man, I love your band there. You guys <laughs> totally. are so good. <laughs> totally dude. Yeah. That's him. And I just like, y'all rock dude. Hell Yeah. <laughs> 
And the other thing that really kind of struck me is, I mean, the casting is wonderful. Chet and Ruby are really good in, in the parts that they play. Everything, the the rival band, we'll talk about them later because they're awesome. <laughs> but your character, Max, is my favorite character. Just really? because you, I don't know, you. <laughs> it seems like you have a heart of gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, you're a little maybe... I guess simple is maybe not the right word, but, but it's, I don't know. You're a very lovable character. And I, everybody that I know that have seen the movie, they're just like, man, he plays that character so perfectly. Was there a lot of, I mean, did, was a lot of character development for you trying to know how you were going to play him? Max is like just sort of this affable, like really gentle creature. Yeah. And uh, very shy. And, you know, like his character has uh, you know, he's got like stage fright and, so when he goes to talk in the microphone, it's, he, he can't. Oh, the onstage banter first attempt was wonderful. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, you know, he, but he sort of comes into his own and comes alive when he starts playing music and becomes like a different person. And, uh, and he's, he's also very much, I feel like uh, there's like this dynamic of almost like the little brother and his two sisters that protect him. Like he's, he's very vulnerable. So um, yeah, they're sort of everybody's, protective of Max, you know? Um, and yeah, well, what was really cool is Matt, um, the director, writer, director, Matt Lawrence, um, he gave everybody our own backstory, which was really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think since Max even knows me, he actually put some real, uh, personal deep stuff in there that I could like really go like, Oh wow. That's like a little even darker than I would think. But you know, our backstories have never been revealed and none of us knew each other's backstory. So that wow. I think helped everybody informed everybody on how to approach playing their character. And I think it, yeah. So, and it all worked really well together. I think. How, how old is everybody supposed to be in the movie? Do you know? <laughs> Shit, I think they actually, in, in the montage part, I, I think they actually say all of our ages, but I'm not, I think, you know, mid twenties, mid twenties about there. Yeah. I don't know how I pull off mid twenties, but how old you are know. you? How old are you? I'm 35, 35. Okay. I'm 42. Yeah. So I'm a little bit older than you. That's the one thing. Yeah. The only thing in the movie that was a little weird for me is like Judy was quitting her job and seemed, right. seemed like she was, you know, maybe late twenties, mid twenties. I don't know. And she she had that like childlike excitement that I had when I was like seventeen about being in a band, right. and I lo yeah. I love that. But I'm like, I guess that could happen. Like if you've never been on tour before and you've worked a shitty totally. job and you're in your late twenties or whatever. Like, I mean, I know some people that haven't started playing music till they're you know twenty two or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you never know. And that's I kind of think that's like was the vibe of Dove, kind of probably a new band or I don't know. You know, that whole idea of going to the venue and giving your tape to them and just hoping that they'll listen to your tape. Right. I, I remember that we have the Emerson theater in Indianapolis where my, my high school band ended up playing all kinds of shows opening for agnostic front and all these crazy bands. But I remember that first time of meeting the promoter and saying, here's my band's demo and then not hearing anything for like eight months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. They just like, you know, throw it in the trash or wipe their mouth with it when they're done eating. Where, did you have a, any kind of input on some of those like small touches? 
Um, you know, honestly, Matt wrote a lot of that from experience. Um, but I kind of, you know, I feel like, you know, probably when we were talking and passing about certain little things, but I'm honestly, most of it came from Matt and none of it felt like out of place or weird. I don't think there's like really any times where I was like, that doesn't happen, Matt, you know, <laughs> just like, we're like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's what, that's how it is. <laughs> well, yeah. Normally when I watch any kind of movie about a punk band or any kind of band, I just think of that episode of Saved by the Bell where they have the Zack attack. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't think that with Uncle Peckerhead. So you guys, you guys did it right. Thank, man. You. Thank you. So you also, you mentioned, I mean, I know you're in a band. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, the music for the band Duh is fucking killer, man. Oh, thanks, dude. Thank I mean, you. that's the first thing I think I ask you. I'm like, can I get the music? Can I buy a CD? Like, what can I do for the band Duh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on it. Um, actually, the music's all written. So I'm just kind of finished writing uh, the words for a couple more songs but i we thought it would be kind of a cool thing like a lot of people have been asking about the fake band which is hilarious um so yeah duh um so yeah i'm, I'm just thought it would be cool to write finish whatever little 30 second songs we put in the movie some of them are full songs but um yes you know not all that made it into the movie so yeah finish those songs and then write a couple more and then just put out a duh lp you know like a full record when, you know, on the, the live performances where Chet is doing backup vocals and everything, the recording that you guys used for those scenes, is she doing that or is that somebody else doing that? That's a good question. Actually, that's my friend Augusta Koch, who um, she used to play in a band called Kaitana and uh, now she's in a band called Gladdy. Um, so check them out. Shout out to, to Augusta and Matt and Gladdy. Um, but so she did the singing voice for, uh, for Judy. Um, and then Bill, my buddy, uh, who plays drums at 500 bucks, uh, played the drums on the recordings. So were there only, like you just mentioned, maybe little 30 second clips or whatever, were there full songs you completed or were they just vignettes? Yeah, yeah, no, there, there are. Cause like, you know, some songs are completely in the movie, but yeah, we, I wrote, uh, basically like an EP for this band and then, uh, but you know, certain scenes wouldn't call for like a three minute song or a two minute song. So it would just be like. I think the first song, it's like right when it kicks in and we start screaming, it's like the next scene we're getting paid outside or something. So <laughs> things like that, we're just like, we'll put that on the record. So when you're writing, you know, as a songwriter also, I'm actually just started a new project right now and we've been working on the first single for like four months because I'm really, I'm very anal about things and it's all yeah. over Zoom and everything. So it's hard to do. Yeah. When you're writing for Duh, or you're writing for 500 bucks, is there a big difference in your approach or do you need inspiration because duh is kind of this, this character in a movie? Right. Well, um, so everything's filtered through me. So I guess there's going to be like me in both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the cool thing about writing for duh was, um, there wasn't any like direction, for the music per se, like Matt was just like, write this band, right. Or whatever. Um, but I did have a script. And so that was cool to like, know what was happening in a particular scene. And it would just say like, here's where song one is. Here's where song two is like, so I would kind of, you know, put myself in the mindset of like, a this character is kind of cool. You can write, especially if you have like some backstory or something and you're writing maybe from a character's perspective or whatever, or uh, from the perspective of like reading what's happening in a story and kind of 
you know, it doesn't have to be so on the nose, but you can write a sneak that into the song. I was I was very kind of taken aback and surprised because when I first started watching the movie, I, I didn't you don't really know what does gonna sound like. Yeah. In, until that first time that they 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 kick it off. And in my mind, maybe just because you know, there's three pretty separate looking characters in the band. In my mind, I had almost like a Sonic Youth kind of like that punk style. Yeah. And then when you guys launched into this like poppy, fast, almost skate punk, hot water music type thing, it yeah. solidified it even more for me. So was that something you took into effect when you were trying to figure out what it was going to sound like? I don't think so. To be honest, I don't think I really, from that perspective, I don't think I really sonically was like, I'm going to base this band on this. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know, just sort of that, that part was more natural than anything. I, I it's kind of weird. I, I never really thought about it like that. <laughs> I just <laughs> never thought about like, I know that's probably something I should have given some thought to. No, I, I mean, never... that's, it's, it's a very, I mean, for me, it was the kind of music I dig. It's the kind of music I yeah, like. Yeah. But when I first saw like, Chet's character and then she comes home and, and you guys are there and I'm like I'm like what is this band gonna sound like and then when I heard it it was completely not what I had pictured in my head but it was a right. good thing well so here's the other thing man so I was writing the music before we cast this movie like Matt asked me to be in it because I'd worked with them before um so I think the part of Max was there but and well, the other parts were there, but we didn't know who was going to play it. You know, we, I, I went up to New York and did casting with uh, a bunch of people um, when we were looking for actresses to play them and for David. Um, but yeah, so it's really, I didn't ha even have a physical picture of yeah. like kind of what our band would look like or who was going to be playing these parts. Like maybe that would have informed it a little bit, but I don't know. I think I was just, I was also going through a crazy fucking time in my life when I was writing this. And I was just like, oh man, yeah, under so much stress and under the gun of trying to get this just finished that yeah. I was, I don't know, just came out that way. So I'm, I'm very interested in the casting aspect because I've never really had anybody on that's talked about that. You were involved in the casting process. What does that entail? Were there a lot of auditions? Like how did that go? Well, yeah. Well, and I think because for a movie, this, of this, uh, you know, budget, this small, um, I think we did like two or three days of casting. And I just feel like that's kind of a long time for a movie like that doesn't have that budget. So I went up to New York and we just, since my part was cast, like it was Matt, the other two producers and I, and we were just in a room in Columbia University and you know, just doing casting calls of people that would come in and read these parts. And actually, I remember David, who played Peck, um, he sent us a, um, a video audition. And when we both saw it, Matt showed it to me. He was like, look at this guy. And we watched it and we were, we were like, this is the fucking guy. Like, but he was in Florida doing a play at the time. Yeah. And so we were just like, man, like, there's no way this fucking dude's going to want want to really do this like but he came he came up to new york which is actually where he lives but he came back to new york and uh and read and i just kind of couldn't believe what we were reading with him because he was just so good and um yeah and then we did like a chemistry read between the actual cast that ended up being the the cast that's in the movie and i feel like everyone left the room and i was like well that was fucking it right you know and now we all just felt like that and now we we're like oh i just hope they all want to do it now 
So, but they did, and it just kind of worked, man. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about the rival band. Hell yeah, Dominion Rising. Dominion Rising, because everybody that has toured or had you know been a part of their local scene, there always is that band. Kind of right. the, the the group of douchey guys that don't really get it, that think that they're owed something, they think that they're bigger than everybody else. Uh, I I love the casting of of the main guy. I can't remember his name, but uh, Ryan Conrath is his real name. Yeah. Uh, Shiloh was his character. <laughs> it's such a douchey name. Oh, uh, dude, yeah. And he in real life, man, he's also one of our best friends. He's like. He's been in everything that Matt's ever done. They went to college together and Ryan and I become thick as thieves over time. And he was the, uh, he was our line producer for the movie. So he also kept the fucking, uh, the train on the tracks the whole time. And that was one, you know, everybody was wearing so many different hats. It was like Ryan acted in it, but he also did this. And so, yeah, but yeah, he's great. He's is great is the life. nose ring real? The septum piercing? Oh no! I think that was like a fucking earring or something that somehow we made it stay in there. There was no—I don't even think that was like a fake thing. It was just some earring we found, and it worked. It, it's just another kind of testament to the small touches that make this movie so oh, good. Yeah. Like when he bums a cigarette from Chet, and then he puts it in his pocket. Because people fucking asshole, dude. I stopped giving people cigarettes on tour because of that. Yeah, like people would be like, "Hey, can I bum a cigarette?" And I'm like, "No, go buy some." Like I just, yeah. I turned into an asshole because people took my cigarettes. I think you know one of the main inspirations for that guy, Matt, was just sending Ryan a bunch of like thirty seconds to Mars Jared Leto interviews <laughs> because that dude is fucking insufferable. Jordan and, uh, Catalano from My So-Called uh, Life. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, he was just watching a bunch of that. And I don't, he also had a, a character called the pretentious philosopher. So he kind of threw that in there too. So, and the, the best part is, and I've, I've listened to a couple other interviews with you and, and different things. And I know that you actually wrote their song. This this weird like new metal esque emo yes, political yeah. whatever, but right. that, the cool thing is like you know that he's douchey, but yeah. until you hear them, you don't really know how bad they're gonna sound either. Right, exactly. <laughs> you don't know if they're they're like some kind of like punk band or if they're exactly what they were. You know. Yes, uh, and you know it's good to know that you can mediocre songs which i'm I, I can do i know that yeah but it's also good to know you can write a really bad song which <laughs> i know that i can do that too so uh and matt i remember like that wasn't really on the docket it, like it wasn't even something in my mind but matt's like hey dude while we're at it you want to just try your hand at writing this fucking dominion rising song and i was like oh man like sure let's do it and i remember just being like this is actually going to be kind of hard to do this one and uh like I had never heard Mike. I'd never heard that band Breaking Benjamin before, but like <laughs> that, like there he's like, here, check this band out, check these bands. And I was like, all right, cool. And uh, Matt wrote the lyrics, which is great. So he that was a collab between us and my buddy Bill, who played drums. Uh, he he actually helped me unlock the formula. He's like, you know, it's like the thing about these bands is like if you listen to the music itself, like he's like. It's not as bad as you would think. It's like it's like just kind of like you know watered down rock music or whatever. It's like, but then when the fucking haircut grabs the microphone, that's when <laughs> it all goes downhill. So that's that's kind of our 
you know, path to approaching it. Well, and it, that's kind of true because when it first starts out before he's singing, I'm like, okay, this isn't great, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a song, you know, it's a song. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to say the words are great. Like when he's just like saying words like death. Oh my God. Bullets, bullets, war, power. I just, and that's the thing, man. I, I hate to keep harping on it, but just those little touches that make it authentic. It makes it like if you live that life at any point in your in your life. Oh yeah, <laughs> it felt real. It didn't feel like some dumb movie, and that's why I loved it so much. What? I said, you're going to meet that band. Oh, you're definitely going to meet that band. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a good segue then. Uh, Band. You have a band, like an actual band that's not in a movie. Yeah. (laughs) Called 500 Bucks. Uh, I checked you guys out and it's it's killer, man. I mean, it has a it has a duh vibe, but I think that's because you wrote the stuff. Exactly. So take me down kind of that avenue. How did that form? And what have you guys been doing as of late? Well, we haven't really fucking done anything as of late. And actually, we kind of, it's just a new project, really. I mean, Bill and I, like I said, we've been in bands, uh, you know, for a while. He was in a band called Captain We're Sinking. I was in a band called The Holy Mess before this. Um, And yeah, you know, we started this project and wrote this record together. Um, And and yeah, we recorded it, too. So we put out, I I put out the 7-inch myself. And that's pretty much all we have so far. We haven't really gotten to play a lot of shows because uh, everything just shut down uh, sort of right in the beginning of it. So, but yeah, I mean, hopefully if the big sick ever ends, uh, we'll get to go play some shows with this new, this new band. Well, I tell you what, man, uh, I always play music at the end of these episodes and I want to play one of your songs. And if you have any duh stuff, send it to me and I'll play it as well. But I want to play some 500 bucks stuff. But um, <clears throat> so this being a new project, I'm a gearhead. I do home recording. I mean, I've got my logic session up right now. Right. How, how did you guys do it? Did you use program drums? Did he actually record them? How did the whole process go? No. So this was cool. So this is actually like, um, we recorded this record not too long after we did uncle Peckerhead. So it was like, I filmed that movie and then, um, we recorded this record in South Carolina and, uh, my buddy Jeff Leonard recorded it and, uh, and my other friend Eric Rickard uh, engineered on it too. And we actually got to go into this really cool studio in Charleston and uh, there, it's not even there anymore. It shut down recently, but um, yeah, man, we, it was the longest I've ever been in a studio and just like kind of the most time I've ever gotten to spend recording. And so, yeah, just Bill and I went down there and did it together um, and it was great. It was one of the coolest recording experiences I've had. And so actually just yesterday I got like the final mixes back cause we recorded a full record. So, okay. um, yeah, I just got the final mixes back, uh, yesterday. So I'm just kind of checking them out as we, speak. I, I offer mastering if you're interested, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll send you the, I'll send you the song. Just see what, what you think of it. I actually know? just started doing that. I've always thought that I was pretty good at it. And then like I did, I did a couple projects for some friends and they're like, man, yeah. these are awesome. So now I'm just, I'm doing it if anybody needs it. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it's weird too. It's like some of half of the songs are punk songs and then some of them sound like they're on like the, like the family matters theme song or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a good record. I don't know if we did a good, I mean, 
I like it, but I don't know if anyone else will. So I'll send it to you. See what you think. I can't, I can't <laughs> wait to hear it, man. Um, yeah. where did the name 500 bucks come from? It's kind of a cool, it's a pretty cool name, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, you know, I do know actually Bill and I used to always like laugh about it. There's this guy, there's this guy that he knew in the Poconos, which is sort of like the Pennsylvania equivalent of where I grew up. Oh, my old tour manager, Gavin lives there or he used to live there. He was a snowboard instructor when we weren't on the road. Right. So you're familiar, small town, whatever. You know, uh, what is it? uh, Mount Camelback or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Right. That's where he lived. Okay, cool. Yeah. So like, that's where Bill grew up and uh, like that area. And so there was a guy that named Two-Face and used to always be outside of the gas station. And he would just like, he would just like lie about whatever bands he used to be in. He's just like an old dude. And he's like, I was in a band called Cobra Fucker. And, you know, he would just have like all these, so like Bill had this like collection of band names. I think one of them was 500 bucks. And we were like, dude, we, for years, we've always just been like, I love that so much. And there's no way he was in a fucking band at all ever. Yeah. And so, but we were like, we always wanted to just call a band 500 bucks. So we finally did it. <laughs> Have you guys tried to like shop the stuff around to any, like to any no. labels or anything? No, not yet. I mean, I just put out the seven inch myself. Cause I was like, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if anybody wants, wants to hear it. So uh, I did that. And then, like I said, I just got these these mixes back yesterday. So that's awesome. Man. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. I mean, if anybody is listening, holler at me. I'd love <laughs> for somebody to put out the record. That'd be great. Well, I'll definitely be playing some 500 bucks at the end here, but, uh, sure. you know, with, uh, doing the music and doing the acting, the acting seems like, you know, you enjoy it and you're pretty, you're pretty good at it. Is there anything I know with COVID it's kind of weird, but is there anything in the future that, you have some plans to do some more acting? Yeah. I mean, I like, I would love to do this in any capacity. Like I said, I mean, it is like sort of a new thing that uh, I've fallen in love with. Um, And yeah. And and just like kind of all aspects of filmmaking of like, I'm really like into the production side of it as well. So um, anything like that, I would love to do more of, but you know, we have sort of like a little production team. It's like sort of a small nucleus of the people like, uh, it's Matt Lawrence, the writer director, Ryan Conrath, who was Shiloh and whatever, and uh, Wiki Mendoza, who was like the art director um, and production designer. And we're all just kind of friends. And so we're like, we have this little production uh, team called Subtle T Rex. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we're constantly working on ideas and scripts and we're, we're trying to get something made, hopefully, you know, when, when we can again. You know, we have some more time left. I normally keep these around an hour, but talking about getting something made, like I know that when you're doing these movies, they're shoestring budgets and you have to cut corners and make, you know, there's no CGI or anything. It's all like real stuff, like corn syrup with food coloring or whatever for the blood. What is the process to getting it made? Is there other like investors? Like, do you guys try to get different sponsors? Like, how does that work? I don't you know, again, it's so DIY and we're so like, you know, we don't have, uh, none of our parents are producers or directors or anything. So it's not like, uh, yeah, let me just talk to my, my guy and you know, he'll talk. So really a lot of it is just people that, that care about it, uh, raising their money, a lot of our own money, like whatever. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I really don't know how we're going to approach the next, the next thing. Uh, we're hoping to just make our money back on this one so we can make other things. And that's how I, I've been doing records 
for so long too. I, I just put my own money into it and, uh, you know, and, and put out a record. I, I don't really know any other way. So have you guys considered like crowdsourcing? Uh, I mean, we've considered it. We haven't, we haven't done that. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I'm not knocking anybody that does that. It just seems like such a hard, hard sell to, to get a lot of people to say, Hey, we're, we're going to invest in this, in this thing. And, and I, I just have always personally felt weird about crowdsourcing, you know, to, to do a personal project, but that's just me. I don't know. Maybe we will. With uncle Peckerhead, like I kind of, it's hard nowadays to track like success. I feel like yeah. you guys have almost 400 reviews on Amazon. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like it's doing fairly well. Do you have any sort of sense of where the, like where the needles yeah. at for it? Dude, we're like, honestly, so overwhelmed with the, uh, the support that it's gotten. And it's kind of like, it's exceeded our expectations by like a lot. So um, yeah, no, I feel like I, like so many people have seen it, um, that I just, I, I can't believe. And, and we've had a lot of people reach out to us that are, that have just been like, I can't believe, I think we sent a, a t-shirt to, uh, to Kelly deal from the breeders the other day. That was awesome. awesome. That was just like, <laughs> Oh my God. Like, so just like when you see like that happening, it's, it means a lot. And it's just really, it's kind of exceeded our expectations. That, so, that's, yeah. that's awesome, man. Because I, I kind of. I feel the same way you do. When I started doing this podcast, I didn't really know who was going to listen, but like some of the biggest guests I've had on this show have asked me to come on the show. So it it blows your mind when like a guy you've listened to for 25 years emails you. Yeah. And I've just been going down your, your list and listening. I was just listening to Jay Bentley right before we did this before we did this. So yeah, I'm still like halfway through that episode. Like, (laughs) I put it on after we're done. <laughs> so I just feel like maybe that's the same kind of thing. You put out a movie and it's your baby and you love it and you know how hard you worked and how fun it was. Yeah. And then you put it up on a streaming platform and it's going to, I mean, who knows who's going to see it? I mean, the thing is, it's like for us too, it was, it was like, it wasn't on a streaming platform at first. It was just, it did, it was on like Amazon that, but you could only buy or rent it. And now it is on so, uh, several streaming platforms. So that's awesome. Cause it just, I didn't, you don't even realize it, man. Like, again, I'm naive to that whole side of things too. And we're all just sort of figuring out how it works as we go along. But like just the jump from it being like VOD to like prime Amazon prime or where or voodoo or any of these other streaming services, I, we've gotten on a couple in like the UK and Canada too, I believe right now. Um, but the film is continuing to come out in new countries. Like it's not like out everywhere yet. So it'll be like, Oh, it's out here now. It's out here. And we start getting feedback from like different places. And it's really, it's really insane to just, you know, have people from Ireland reaching out and people from like all over the place just saying like, I saw this and like, I connected with it. Like I've been in a band I've done, I know that fucking guy with the nose (laughs) ring, like, fuck, you know, I know that promoter that fucked me over like that kind of, so it's just, it's, like I said, our, all of our minds are blown sort of right now. So the, well, like one of the last things I wanted to ask you about it, you know, I've had uh, mostly documentary filmmakers on the program before. Like I just had John Nix who did the anti-flag story and right. I had Sean Cologne that did the fat records documentary. And they've always talked about kind of the importance or maybe not the importance, but you want to take it to a film festival. 
you mm-hmm. that's kind of the goal to get maybe it in front of other people and to yeah. maybe boost your your clout when you want to make something else with this being the worst year in the history of the planet <laughs> did that oh, yeah. kind of kill that or are there online festivals or anything yeah that's a great question because like I said, man, it, you know, it took, it takes a while to make this and, and make it all come together. And a lot of different people are working on it. And, um, so we, it took about two years to finish, um, you know, from start to finish. We finally did. That's the whole process of, uh, like shopping it around is, is that's how you do it is by playing film festivals. And I, and I know our last short did, you know, we got to play a lot of them and it seemed like, uh, this, Uncle Peckerhead was getting into even more and we got into some like just unbelievable festivals that, that we couldn't even believe. And uh, it played one, it played Panic Festival in Kansas City. That's where it premiered. And I think that was in like, I wanna say January or February. And um, and it was, you know, Matt went and Wiki went and David went, they all went together. I couldn't go to that one. And they were like, dude, it was a fucking blast. Like, you know, and people loved it. They had such a good time. Well, the next one that we were going to do was uh, in San Francisco. It was um, Cinequest, which is a pretty big film festival. And I had my tickets booked. um, And I was like, we're all going out. It's going to be great. And uh, we were playing just like a huge theater out there, like multiple days. We're playing it like on the weekend. They gave us great time slots. And not only that, we had other tons of other festivals lined up. Um, and then it was like the week of or something. It was when that um, the cruise ship was off the coast. Yeah. And it was just this pandemic was just starting. Nobody really even knew the severity of it yet or like what was going to happen. And it was just getting worse and worse. And I remember um, one day waking up and it was like, I think that weekend there was a Facebook convention, a video game, like a Twitch convention and Cinequest all happening in that in like the San Francisco area. Um, and then I saw like Facebook pulled out, Twitch pulled out. And I was, I just remember talking to Matt. I was like, it's, it's canceled, right? Like this is, you know, and sure, sure enough, about an hour later, it was like, yep, it's canceled. So we were just like, fuck. And then after, I mean, that was like March 11th or March 13th. That was the beginning. And then after that, everything has been canceled. And so, uh, yeah, I remember Matt and I just talking on the phone, sort of like, I know I had a thousand yard stare. I can only imagine he was doing the same thing. And I was like, so what the fuck does this mean? Like, what ha- happens? He's like, I don't know, man. And I was like, so is our film just dead in the water? Like, we worked so hard and finally got it to where we're going to, like, play all these fat. Like, this is, the, this is the candy at the end. This is like, man, we yeah. get to go to festivals and have a good time and, like, you know, whatever. And so we didn't get to do any of that, but we did get lucky because Epic Pictures, who was at the first film festival, um, saw our movie and they wanted to put it out. And uh, and it was like this silver lining in, in a pandemic because we got to release it. We didn't get to do any of the cool things. I mean, we would have had a little, like a small theatrical run even at the premiere and if, but we weren't going to do that during a pandemic. Even if we could have, I, I, there were some places where you could do it. And I, we just didn't want, we're not going to yeah. invite people to come get sick in a theater and watch a fucking, you know, uh, uh, horror comedy. <laughs> so, um, so we didn't get to do any of that fun stuff and we haven't really gotten to do any physical stuff. So we've been doing a lot of 
cool stuff on Zoom. And there has been some cool online stuff. Um, I know Alamo Draft House carried us on all of their things. And I think we talked to their director of programming and he's like, you know, we would have played it in our theaters. And we're like, don't tell us that shit. Don't tell us that. So yeah, and I think we did a film festival in Calgary that was awesome. And they did like a drive through screening and it was just they we saw videos of it people are honking their horns it was really cool so we've got to do little things like that you just have to adapt and maybe we'll get to do some sort of fun retroactive little parties or something with it you know when it all ends well what has there been any discussion on uh, a sequel <laughs> um i don't know i don't know if uh, i we'll just have to see we'll just have to see what happens with that I mean, I, I would love to see one. I would love to see any, any way you could take it. I, I just, I don't know, man. It, it, it meant a lot to me. I, I haven't been, it's, I know it sounds like sappy and stupid cause it's like this campy punk rock horror. Not movie. at all, dude. I mean, we're so happy that it's a, that it is reaching people like that. And I think that a lot of people, especially with the title, don't expect it to have any kind of heart or, you know, meet meaning, but I, it is cool um, and crazy to hear that it means a lot to people because it meant a lot to us. I mean, this is how we grew up. So, I mean, it, it, it actually affected me. Like I, I've, I've seen so many movies being in quarantine for the last fucking year yeah. and they've all fucking sucked, man. Like, yeah, I, I just, I think if you guys, and I mean, and I don't know the logistics or the ins and outs, but if you guys could get it on like Netflix or something, it'd be the biggest thing in the world. I mean, you know, we'll see. Again, I, I don't know how that works. I know that we're, like I said, we're on Prime and, and some of these other streaming services, but um, yeah, maybe we, we'll get to be on other ones someday. I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll just have to see. I think there's a couple of different ways that this could go. It could get on one of those and get huge. But I honestly think if it doesn't in 10, 15 years, this is going to be like the cult classic that everybody loves, man. We're already, like I said, we're already so overwhelmed with the um, outpouring of, you know, love and support. And we, I just, anybody that's seen it uh, just thanks. Cause it really, and just word of mouth, like thanks for reviewing it. Anybody, because like, this is how people see it is word of mouth and just, um, yeah, you know, coming and talking to people and it really is. I mean, in the true spirit of the movie, it's a very DIY effort. So it means a lot to our whole crew that, that people are spreading the word. Um, and just the fact that we even got to put it out at all during a pandemic, like I said, we thought our movie was dead. We were like, who knows when anyone's ever going to see this. And we just, by the skin of our teeth, got to get it out and people are home watching movies. So (laughs) thanks for giving our movie time. If you've seen it. Okay. Well, I've got one listener question. If you wouldn't mind answering, I always put things up on the internet and on Facebook, somebody asked a question, uh, Robert from Ireland, which you were just talking about. Oh, wow. Okay. Robert from Ireland wants to know, uh, if, Growing up, you watched the trauma films, and if that was sort of a little tribute where they had the little scene from a trauma film in Uncle Peckerhead. Yes. Um, actually, uh, you know, not like super well versed in the trauma films, but I have seen like, you know, Citizen Toxie, Toxic Avenger, things like Tromeo and Juliet, that, those kind of things. But Matt actually worked at trauma for wow. a little while. And so uh, Lloyd Kaufman actually let us use that clip in the movie. And, and it's like, Harkens back to Larry Gone Demon. We also put, I think, I believe Toxic Avenger is on the TV in that too. But that's, you know, Lloyd's blessing. He let us use use that in the movie. So it was pretty cool. 
they, on Warp Tour back in the day when I was playing with the Ataris, there was a, a trauma like tent or like bus. There were these people. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. If they were, we went and checked them out a couple of times, but yeah, I don't know. They just like had posters and I guess they were selling stuff and maybe yeah. viewing movies on Warp Tour. I just thought it was very strange, but yeah. I, I grew up with the Toxic Avenger. So as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, oh man, the trauma. That's yeah, dude. And it like, yeah, it's it's cool. And it's really, you know, all these little Easter eggs where people are seeing things like that or shirt of a band they knew. Like we we uh all the bands like you, again, I didn't realize this for a long time, but you learn is like, oh, you have to ask permission for all these things. So yeah. everybody that let us use their shirts and like everything, it's awesome. So yeah, I was. I wish I would have seen this about a month ago because Greg yeah. from the Balancing Souls was on the show, and I, I so much wish I would have asked him oh, if he'd seen it because that shirt. I mean, that's the old school Balancing Souls shirt. Right? right. Totally. Yeah, and the the one bummer too is that we had so much good music in the original cut that we had to like that we couldn't use because we can't afford the rights to, you know, Jawbreaker songs. And oh yeah. Like that. But that's one thing that I got to see that I know nobody else did, and it's like. It won't change it for anybody, I guess. But for me, that was the one thing that I wish, like, man, because then that would have been a cool soundtrack too, like, you know. But maybe one day, maybe one day we'll be able to afford those songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe when you guys re-release it after the pandemic yeah. and you can afford the Jawbreaker and Pennywise or whatever you want to put in yeah, there. We'll you know? see. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, man, I've, I've had a wonderful time today. I'm a massive fan of the film and of your work. Thank you. And uh, I can't wait to see the next film you're in. I can't wait to get this seven inch of 500 bucks. And I'm super excited, hopefully for the duh CD at some point or, or record or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, man. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, really. Thanks for having me on because like I said, it, it just means a lot to, uh, you know, just even be asked to come on and help spread the word and all that stuff. So thank well, you. And it, it's weird to me too, because like, you know, normally if I talk to somebody that, I've been listening to for 25 years, like Jim from Pennywise was on. And I just couldn't imagine that we were like looking at each other when we were talking. It was freaking me out a little bit. Dude, he sent me an email about the movie. He saw it and he liked it. Oh, that's awesome. Shout yeah. out to Jim. He's the best yeah, guy in the world. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> but I was just thinking like I sat and watched the movie for the second or third time last night in preparation. And the whole idea that I'm here talking to Max from Peckerhead is, is it's freaking me out a little bit. I got to say. No. I know I'm not I'm not much to look at in real life. Your huh? beard is more trim now than it was. Yeah. I just yeah. trimmed mine. Mine was crazy. My wife told me to trim it, so I trimmed it. Yeah, well, I, I don't know whether to well, we don't know what's gonna happen next year, so I'm just growing it back out in case uh in case we get any good news about a sequel. <laughs> hey man, if you need anything, I, I have acting experience. <laughs> I'll be your body yeah. double. We yeah. sort of look alike a little bit. Yeah, you're my dad. You can be, you know. <laughs> I would be your dad, yeah. I had you when daddy. I was seven. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the podcast, daddy. <laughs> Dude, I've had a blast. Thank you so much. And uh, much success and luck to everything you're doing out there. And whenever you want to come back and hang out, do it again. Okay. Dude, thanks so much. Anytime, brother. Awesome, man. I'll talk to you very soon. All right, dude. Thank you. See you, buddy. Later. So there it was. My conversation with Mr. Jeff Riddle from 500 bucks and the awesome movie Uncle Peckerhead. I had such a great time chatting with Jeff, and hopefully we will have him back in the future, like maybe when he gets that duh EP done, the 
the fake band from Uncle Peckerhead. That's what I want. I want to hear that. Uh, make sure to check out his most recent film that I've been talking about nonstop for the last couple of weeks, Uncle Peckerhead. It is streaming now on Amazon Prime. And check out his awesome band, 500 bucks on all of the streaming sites. When you search for it, make sure that you spell it out like F-I-V-E-H-U-N-D-R-E-D. B-U-C-K-S, 500 bucks. That is it for this week. I appreciate all of you spending so much time with me. Uh, I have so many people that come back and say they listen every week. And I I can't even say that I listen every week. I I always started out to make sure it's working on on Apple and Spotify, and then I turn it off. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. And however you spend your time with me, if you are, you know, walking your dog or if you're you're doing the dishes or whatever you're doing on your commute to work i appreciate that you let me into your ear holes and then i can be your friend for an hour or so every week so follow us on the social so you don't miss anything at totot podcast check out my new band featuring me of course and members of no use for a name and protest the hero uh we're called fire sale We have a big announcement tomorrow, which is Friday. So follow us on the socials at fire sale is a band. If you need to get in touch with me for any reason at all, it is super easy. T O T O T podcast at gmail.com. Or you can check out our new discord server that I told you about earlier. It's awesome. I'm on there all the time. Uh, Or you can go to the website T O T O T podcast.com. You can do anything. You can call the hotline. That is area code 765-372-8818. There are millions, literally millions, maybe not millions, maybe not literally, but there's a bunch of ways that you can get a hold of me and we can chat about all kinds of cool stuff. I answer all my DMs, all my emails, everything. So do it. Let's get some dialogue going between us. It's going to be great. Uh, While you're over at the website, Make sure to check out our merchandise. It is the best way to support the show. We also have a really cool contest right now that you can get more info there or on any of our socials where you can design your own TOTOT t-shirt and uh, you can get it and some other goodies. It's a really cool thing. It, It might be, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. We're trying to do all kinds of cool stuff. I'm getting a FaceTime as I'm doing this from Will, my drummer. So, Will... If you're listening, I can't accept the face call, FaceTime call until I get done with this. So I'm going to decline it. This is live, people. This is how it works. So I was just talking to you about the new contest. Check it out. TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com is the email. TOTOTpodcast.com is the website. Check it out. That's my spiel. I'm going to jump out of here. But before I jump out of here, I'm going to play some music. I'm going to play one of my favorite songs from Jeff's band, 500 Bucks. It is called Spinal. It's really, really killer. It's You're going to love it. And Will, who just tried to FaceTime me, you're going to love it as well, man. Uh, I, I should have edited that out, but I'm not going to edit it out because that's what happens, you know. I've got everything hooked up right here, and I'm going to have to hit up Will as soon as I get done with this. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to play Spinal from 500 Bucks. Make sure to check them out on the streaming sites. You need to spell out 500 bucks to check them out. Make sure to tune in next week when my guest will be Mr. Lee Barrett, drummer for Gallows. I love Gallows so much. 
I met Lee and all the Gallows guys back on the 2009 Vans Warp Tour, and it was so great to catch up. We're friends on Facebook. We chat back and forth once in a while, but it was nice to have like a real conversation with Lee, and uh, you guys are going to love it. So make sure to come back for that one. I have some amazing guests coming up, like some unreal guests. I'm going to be announcing them, I think, this week probably on the socials. But uh, you're gonna, you're not gonna want to miss it. So make sure that you are subscribed wherever you listen, because if you're not subscribed, you might, you might miss it. I've had people all the time that were like, "You should have so and so on the show," and I'm like, "Yeah, they were on the show like six months ago," and they go, "Oh, I didn't know that," and then they get all excited and they go listen. So you should subscribe so you know exactly who's on the show every week, because we have some crazy guests coming up. You're not gonna want to miss it. So I'm going to play Spinal by 500 bucks. Go watch Uncle Peckerhead on Amazon Prime. And uh, thanks again to Jeff for being on the program. Will, as soon as I get done with this, I'm going to hit you up on FaceTime. <laughs> I love you guys and gals. Wash your hands. Wear your masks. Be kind to one another. I'll see you next week with Lee from Gallows. As always, this is Chris. Peace. I don't want to drown. My legs have let me down There's a crack in my back And it's working its way down To my feet Where the feet Is polishing its ground But I hate myself For making myself bleed The fear tide rolls And when soaking up my sheets Worthless desires Open up their doors to me What have I done?
this is Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX. Hey, this is Jay Bentley from Bad Religion. This is Vinny from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coheed and Cambria. This is Chris number two for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring. Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against. Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice. Hi, this is Frank Tanner. Hey, this is Jim from Pennywise. Hey, this is Eric Smelly, the drummer of No Effects. Hi, this is Bill from Faith and More. Hey, this is Chris from Propagandy. Hi, this is Roy from No Easter Name. Hi, this is Ben Gillies from Silverchair. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour with Chris Swinney. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.